so you guys are touring with a board now? Is <laughs> the monitors kind of get because we run the monitors now off that board, so they become more uh, consistent. Yeah, and so it, it's sort of a thing that just we invested in to become. And, and so it sounds extravagant, but it ends up making things a lot less hassle. And uh, and uh, I guess if we're really talking about this, the, a lot of sometimes bands on runs will like rent a front of house package. Yeah. Um, it like to compare it to something a little more simple. It would be like going on tour and showing up every night and using whatever amps are at the club, yeah. which actually a lot of clubs have. Surprisingly, yeah. they have some kind of backline there. Or it'd Not be just like, like PA, like actually plugging into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like, it, yeah, it would be yeah. like as a guitar player or a bass yeah, yeah, player yeah. or a drummer using the house kit and the house guitar amp and the house bass kit, which, you know, you never know sort of sure. on a night tonight what you're going to get where, where this way it's like you're just, you have your own amps and your own guitars with you. And it's kind of the same thing, but for our sound guy. And that, and he also has more control over just the entire situation. And it's, with the way technology and the gear works now, he literally just says, where can I plug this in? I just need an outlet and I need you to send me, you yeah. know, the so I can just go through the mains. And it's like literally a couple of different plugs. It's funny that you said extravagant and I was sort of thinking the opposite. I'm like, oh, these dudes still have to deal with, you know, they're, uh, with their board, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it, but, I mean it, it, it was a step up for us to just be bringing our own board. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're uh, but but I mean you're, you're you guys are still sort of dealing with a lot of the you, you still deal directly with the logistics of the touring and all that somewhat I mean that's certainly management's uh, you know yeah. big part of their job but yeah I mean we have to weigh in and also like you know they're here when we're in Belfast or whatever they're yeah. here so you know there's there's some amount of it that only the people who are there know and and you know the way that tour managers and soundmen and all them work. They they tend to you know they have to go to where the work is, so sometimes you end up with a new you know we've had three or four tour managers this year, um, so because you can't always hold on to them if you're down for a month you're yeah. gonna go somewhere else because yeah. they don't get paid when you're you know when you're down mostly, so that said we in a lot of the cases I think we know more about the business sure. especially after doing it for ten years then, yeah well, we can't have to right? weigh in yeah. eleven years really. Yeah. Um, but so you you've been tour, you've been touring enough this year to warrant three different different tour managers. Well, no, only because like when we we had the kind of first part of the year, like yeah. right before the record came out, when the record came out, and then you know we had a little time off, and then we went out on another big run, and then we had a little time off, and now we're going over to the UK and Europe. We're actually rather than bringing somebody with us. There's we're gonna use somebody mm-hmm. who's there who knows, you know, uh, like the bus company and a lot of the promoters and has a relationship there and it was that made a lot of sense. I and mean, like, you know what? Yes, let's work with somebody who actually lives there and and deals with this on a day to day basis. Um kind of like anytime we've been to Australia too, it's the same way where even if you have your own tour manager with you, mm. you also use somebody that's there because it's so it is such a you know, literally foreign country to people who've never toured there before. But you know, you you, you had a record come out this year. But you, you know, even in the lead up to that, were you expecting to still be on tour at this point, or is that stuff? Just, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think you knew. I, mean, I think you always know. I'd say about twelve months is what you plan for, yeah. or maybe you know, ten months. I would say certainly twenty fourteen. I knew we'd be on tour for pretty much all of it and yeah. then um and then you know you don't know beyond that that's about 
once you go, you know, you can hit pretty much everywhere once, you know. Mm. We went to UK for just a little bit, but we've hit, I can't think of a, oh, we haven't played Nashville. But other than that, um, I think most Americans. Is that where you, you recorded? Didn't you record the record down there? No, ironically, we recorded there, but that's the only big place we haven't played. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, there are some other markets where we, I guess we haven't played, but they aren't like likely places. Like, uh, Have we played Athens yet? We played Atlanta. Yeah. Shaky knees and right, right, yeah. right. It's, a, it's what like a forty, like a forty minute drive. Yeah, yeah. We did Atlanta. I mean, we haven't done. There's some other like bigger markets that a lot of rock bands don't do, like Miami. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's not a real. That's pretty far down there. Um, and I guess we haven't done the south. We didn't do that much southeast on this. I guess we haven't done, with exception of Atlanta, we didn't do Birmingham or um, Chapel Hill on this right. one. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. Actually. Or South Carolina. But, I mean, we, we hit a lot of places. The consensus is that Florida, like, is what? It's like a couple-week um, investment that you've got to actually, like, do the entire state, right? <laughs> well, you, it is. It's like Germany that way, yeah. I always say, where you, you get in there and you can do, you know, a half a dozen shows because there's enough cities to yeah. kind of, you know, you do Gainesville and Tampa and... and uh, uh, what's the in the handle? Is it St. Petersburg? Yeah, you know stuff. There's there's a lot of cities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can do a lot. I was actually just listening to um, yeah, um, Mark Marin's podcast with Mac from Super Chunk, and he was talking about Florida as being like a real. Awesome I think that's thing. actually where I heard that yeah. anecdote recently. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I I agree with him. But if you're starting from North Carolina, you're already sure. a lot closer. You know. Yeah. But you can do, you can knock out. And I think one time we did five shows in five days in Florida, and it was awesome. Because also you only drove, this is still when we were in a van, but you drove like two yeah. hours and you're at the next place. But I but I, like I do, I like the idea of seeking out places where, you know, ba- there aren't bands every single night. Right? right, right. And that's helpful. Because even, I think with the, I mean, I, I remember a few years back, um, we were at in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and I was... There, you know, I think with the records not selling as much, people tour more. I mean, there's more. There seems to be more focus on touring. And I remember, thinking, you mean just records in general? Yeah, yeah. And I remember being like in Indianapolis and seeing this club lineup, and like that that week, like the same seven days we were playing, it was us. We were playing. Drive by truckers were playing. <laughs> Lucero was playing, and the Walkman were playing. Yeah, and that's four out of seven nights in Indianapolis, and you realize like your average rock fan might like all those bands. But he's, you can't go to four shows. Most people can't go to four shows And those a are week. those are very specifically four bands yeah. that hold steady bands yeah. are going to want to go yeah. out to the those show are four. Those are four. Yeah. And, you know, tickets are what they are. And people have jobs. And yeah. you're like, well, no one can be out every night, or most people can't. So you realize that, you know, um, going to some place, going to places where people aren't is, is not a bad strategy, probably. Yeah, but I mean, even I don't know. I guess like Indianapolis, you know, isn't isn't off the top of my head, isn't you know major major market. But it sounds it like it's already saturated at this point. Shows are good though. Shows yeah. are always good there. With just just sort of based on I guess the amount of bands that are touring right now. Yeah, the fact that you could fill it up that quickly. Are you guys are you guys touring more these days? I mean, you know, now that you. Uh, no, I'd say about the same. Wouldn't yeah. you? I mean, we did a big one this summer, five weeks, which is longer than we've done in. A long time. It was probably a little too long. Um, but, you know, you go to where the shows are. Like, you know, I, there's always this thing like, like where you say, like, um, 
you know, we did a tour earlier this year where we went from Brighton to Eng- Brighton, England. We went did a UK tour, and we ended in Brighton on a Friday night. Saturday night, we played in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> and people always say, oh, God, who booked that? Who's your booking agent? Like, I can't believe you do. And it's like, you go to where the shows are. Yeah. You know, it's not anyone's fault or anyone's crazy idea that you book these shows, like, um, next to each other. You just try to get to them because that's where the show is. And, you know, you agree to it. Yeah. It's not like, God, who booked this? It's yeah. like, yeah, we're going to try to do that because that sounds great. Yeah, that's always the conversation, too, like, Hey, you know, you guys are playing Brighton and then, you know, they want you to play in Tampa. Can you guys do that? And it's always like, well, let's try. Yeah. You know, if they want to, if they want us there, I like we want to try to get there. You guys won't you guys won't turn down. No, we will if it's crazy, yeah. you yeah. know, but it's like, you know, that, in that case there was a, it was like a festival show. It wasn't like, oh, could we do it Monday night 3 days later? Yeah. It yeah. went to work. It was it was a Saturday night thing. So, um, you go you kind of go to where the shows are. Within reason, I mean, you have to kind of throw up your hands at some point, not not kill yourself. But you're, but you're. I mean, you said you'd, you'd graduated from the van, which I assume means you guys have some kind of a, a bus situation mm-hmm. right now. Tour bus, yeah. So, For most of it, I mean, I guess when it makes sense. There's also a fair amount of flying gigs yeah. where you just fly in. Sure. You get a van for the weekend. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're not driving into Australia? No. Well, the, for Australia, you fly everywhere. You know, yeah. the, the roads are just... The, I, I, I assume that it's... <laughs> there aren't roads in the middle of the island? Well, they're just too far apart, I think, the cities. Yeah. Um, or, and, but, it, yeah, I mean, the tour bus is generally how we do longer runs. Yeah. Anything, like, you know, more than a few days. I'm just thinking that, like, you know, when, when you've got that kind of operation, you need to sort of ensure a certain i don't know minimal attendance or, or return in order to, to yeah. justify that kind of trip you have to budget for it like yeah. anything yeah so you need you need to, but you know our guarantee you have to like you get guaranteed a certain amount you know per show yeah. or whatever so you you have to think it's going to be worth it and uh and cover the cost but you know you do save on the hotels then with the tour bus because you sleep on it mm-hmm. um and you just sort of you Putting putting every because everyone sleeps there, so putting everyone around a place where they can get some rest is kind of good for overall yeah. sanity. I think the, you, you guys did the replacement shows recently, and that must have been a a different a different touring or a different different show playing experience. Yeah, well, it was a big deal for me. It was my favorite band. Yeah, I grew up in Minneapolis. We played the one in Minneapolis, and then we played the one here where I've lived for fourteen years, and you know where the band's based. So. It was pretty exciting. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, we were support, though. It was yeah. like, you know, it was, we were certainly support. It was our, it was the replacement show. Well, you, you were know? the headliners, but it right. still must be like a relatively cush situation. No, it was, it was great. I mean, you know, and it was a lot of excitement. I was just excited to be close to it yeah. all, you know. And uh, the New York one was funny. Uh, um, the, the show, the, the venue for New York at Forest Hill Stadium mm-hmm. was fantastic. Mm. There's an article in the Times today about how they got noise complaints. And it mentions that uh, both us and Deertech, the two supports, were yeah. asked to turn down. But I asked our manager, the sound guy, and stuff, and no one, no one knows anything about that. So yeah. I don't know what the article was in. And then it said the replacements were three times louder. Their encore was three times louder than the allotted sound. 
And it's like they didn't. I didn't notice any spike in volume. And if it was, it wasn't even that. Like it wasn't that loud for three a three times. It's like that's like a jet engine, yeah. right? I mean, I can't. yeah. And they did have a they did have a DB like you know yeah. rating for the show. Like you couldn't. I think the opening bands had to be yeah like ninety eight, and then you know the headliners always usually a little bit louder. But it wasn't. I think it was a three DB difference, which is mm-hmm. hardly noticeable once you get to that level. And there wouldn't have been. Now you're talking about. 300 db instead of 100 yeah. db which is yeah, yeah not it's that's exponentially yeah. yeah yeah i mean it was not loud for rock shows i mean i was aware of the db limit so when i was out front i was like well this is a little quiet than most shows but i mean the only thing that i think could have gotten loud is people singing along yeah. I feel like people sort of worked up ahead of steam by the end of the replacement set i could see that being louder um if anything but i didn't i don't know it's a strange article so I guess you, 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 I just found out you guys have the same management as as the replacements. Mm, sort of, yeah. Um, ben works with uh, who works with us works with the replacements on okay. some level. So um, he he works specifically with Tommy. Yeah. Uh, from the replacements. Yeah. Is is that how the whole thing came about? So it, it helped. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, I think we were also kind of a I, I don't want to say obvious choice, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, we're, we're uh, you know big fans and. Uh, I think we're the right look. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, you're yeah, yeah, you're you're big fans, and and you know, you're from you're from the same town, lineage, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, we, and I know Tommy, and you okay. know, we'd met Paul a few years back, and um, there are a lot of connections. That's what I was going to ask. If just you know, ahead of these shows, how much you were actually on those guys' radar, <laughs> as far as you know. Well, you know, some of it's management, but we certainly yeah. like like we played in Atlanta at the Shaky Knees Fest, and Tommy was around and hanging out, and I think the shows were announced by then. Mm-hmm. I think, and uh, then we saw him again in Boston um, a few weeks ago at the Boston Calling Festival. So yeah, we were on the radar. Um, you, you know, I think that I think we've been around long enough so i guess they're they're familiar with us yeah i mean you know you you guys are kind of you know one of easily one of the biggest things since the since the kind of husker do uh replacements so are are they i mean do they still have that connection to minneapolis Minneapolis well they i mean paul lives there at least um and the minneapolis is such a kind of unique musical environment because it's geographically so far removed from yeah I mean, it's really far from, like, Chicago or Milwaukee even. And especially before the Internet, it kind of had its own world, you know. Ted and I had a band called Lifter Puller that mm-hmm. was around in the 90s. And that, I mean, that got pretty big in Minneapolis as far as things go. And, like, you know, we go down to Chicago and play for 20 people. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you could put a put a big crowd together in Minneapolis. And there were a lot of bands like that. You yeah. know, I mean, it kind of lived in its own world and never kind of crossed outside of it for a long time. Now... Now it has more, um, and of course, before that, it had too with the replacements and Husker Du and all that. But um, you know, there were also a lot of bands that that did very well in Minneapolis. And it's a very supportive music scene, yeah. And people go out to shows, and there's this like it's a real there's a real sense of a scene. But um, uh, yeah, um, so you know that 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 was certainly a nurturing thing. I've you know I've, I've, I I know a few people out there have been out there a few times and there's there's definitely this sense of connection with lifter puller that maybe they don't necessarily have with whole city because it's sort of, sort of like that's that's our thing you know yeah. that's our band that's well, not this like hold steady was you know started in New York yeah. you know so Minneapolis lifter puller was Minneapolis and it was especially I think for the people who were around then you know who were actually at the shows that is, that was sort of a 
there were kind of some... A lot of the times we played at like sort of untraditional venues and mm-hmm. things like that. So I think people felt really close to it. Is that what you mean? Like, you mean they feel like a real sense of kind of ownership over Lifter yeah, Puller? Yeah, exactly. that thing? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I feel like Lifter Puller might have been Minneapolis's and Hold Steady could be the rest of the world's, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a weird, it's sort of a weird distinction to draw, especially since, you know, when you're... Especially on your first couple of records. I mean, there's a very... All, they're yeah. all Minneapolis stories. I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely a little bit of that on the new one as well. I mean, the first track is kind of... Yeah. Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I mean, you know, if you find someone who saw Lift or Polar Live, they probably lived in Minneapolis, <laughs> most likely. Yeah. Um, was that... I mean, was that the... Is that why you made the move to New York? Was just that the scene was no, not well, not really. I, I the lifter puller broke up and it would sort of run its course, and then we were like, just trying to figure out something to do to keep myself entertained was sort of it. And I thought like, well, I, you know, again, it was it was a small scene, and it was like, well, I don't want to be the guy who used to be in a band, yeah. you know. So I moved out here, and I was married at the time, and uh, got a job, and just sort of was hanging out. I always kind of wanted to live in New York, so I wanted to try it out. You sort of, you, you, you guys sort of risked, like, just walking down the street of just kind of being that guy because it was such sort of a, a tight community. I'm not sure I was quite as aware of it as I, I, I'm saying it now, yeah. but, you know, it was, I didn't, if I wasn't going to be a man, I didn't know what I, what I was going to do, and it seemed like New York, in a very vague sense, had more opportunity. I don't know what the opportunities I was looking for were, but it seemed like it was something. But but for but for you specifically, it was clear that you weren't going to be in a, a band anymore. Uh, I had yeah, I didn't know really. I wasn't going to be in a band. I, I I thought I might do like writing or something like that, but I didn't ever yeah. do it. Even for both, well, it's like when Lifter Polar kind of ended in two thousand, Craig moved to New York and I moved to L.A. and then. Uh, and then later I moved to New York and I didn't think that I was, uh, you know, I knew I was going to be doing, you know, I I'd still play music, but not kind of in the way that like, I'm still kind of, you know, working on this thing that I'm going to do music someday. Mm-hmm. So I'd moved out here for photography yeah, and rock star yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. like, well, this is not, I need, obviously need to shift my f- kind of focus. And I'm not sure that I ever really thought that that was going to be something that was sustainable, I suppose for, you know, so we all kind of had other jobs and things that we did. And, and for me initially, like New York was going to, you know, like doing photography, that's, if you're not going to go to Milan or LA, you have to be somewhere. And I started working for a photographer when I got here and that, and then right as the band really started to take off is when I was starting to make that segue into shooting more stuff of my own. And, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like, like, Oh, well this is, yes. Yeah. No. So it was, but I mean, that's not a terrible situation to be in at all. So it was lucky. But but you, but you, you guys were both kind of, I don't want to say over the band thing, but the, the band certainly being in a band wasn't either of your, lives or you didn't necessarily see in your future. I feel like I did I had enough of it maybe not forever but you know like I, I didn't miss it for the two years I wasn't in a band. Really? Um, but at the same time I was I uh, I was going to shows all the time. I still liked music. I was still buying records. Yeah. I was still hanging out with dudes and bands you know. Um, I was just like I don't really need to be in a in a band. You know there's there's the, the, the 
we don't it doesn't affect us as much anymore but i think some of the exhausting things about being in a band or about being in a band at lifter pullers level like yeah taking care of a van yeah um finding a place to park the van uh dealing with your guitar when it breaks you know things that like are just sort of fatiguing <laughs> in, in a way that that like now that whatever level we've attained we are less so like yeah. we don't have a van van so no one has to figure out where to park it or deal with the parking tickets um we just you know we get on the bus or whatever which is which is a nice place to be um but it certainly i think it takes care of some of the fatiguing parts out yeah. of it well i i walked in here and like you know both you guys because because I, I knew initially um i was told that you were going to be here and then i was told that you weren't going to be here and i came up came up here and you guys were uh, well, you were up here, and you, were, you guys were watching videos, and I was like, "Oh, these guys still like each other." <laughs> you know, they've been in they've been in like two bands for however many years, and they still seem to like enjoy each other's company. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, and I think that's one part of the band that's nice too is that while we don't see as much of each other because every you know, like yeah. you get to a certain age, certain level, and everybody's lives start to you know kind of seep into stuff, and it's not like it's not the gang that it maybe was when we first started touring but it's certainly one of those things that when everybody gets on the bus that first night when everything starts to roll it's like yeah you know we're like we're doing it again and it's kind of it's that everybody's really excited to be you know involved in this thing that that's and that's something that we'll all always have in common that's kind of fantastic yeah i mean at 43 years old i don't i don't know that how many 43 year olds spend a ton of time just hanging with their dudes you know uh, assuming they have a girlfriend or a wife or kids or job and all that. Um, but at the same time, I will say that there's been a spike in recent activity because Bobby, our drummer, opened a bar in, in Greenpoint, both <laughs> of, over where we lived. So that's kind of... It's we a clubhouse. Can, we kind of Just as a, far as like hang, hanging out yeah. with each other? Yeah, there's sort of a, a clubhouse vibe. Like, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely a like, hey, can I meet you somewhere? Yeah, like meet me at Lake Street. That's the name well, of the bar. because well, I, I, I interviewed both of you guys. It was like... You know, a couple of years ago, um, I think it was right before Boys and Girls in America came out. And it was at it was at Hi-Fi. Uh-huh. So you had you had, that, had that for, for some. At, we at had that, and Galen worked there for still sometimes does, and uh, we've always had that. But because that was brownies, and then yeah, yeah. But this is, I mean, this is three blocks from both of our houses, yeah. so it's even. Closer. So what it like? It's just like I mean, you know, again, like five five weeks of touring and all the touring you've done all year, and you guys like still find. Things to talk about? Yeah. Well, yeah, usually usually there are things that we happen across. I mean, we all know the same people now, yeah. so... And, and there's also, besides the business, you know, part of stuff or, yeah. you know, creative talk and things like that, there's also, you know, just... Like, I feel like the the longer we do this, the kind of more interesting, you know, our lives have become in a way, or just the more, you know... I'm. I don't want to. I'm not sure what the word word to use is, but it's just you. You've also. We've also been lucky enough to meet other people that are doing cool things, sure. and that's still sort of a source of not just inspiration, but you know, stuff that you can kind of talk about too. Yeah. But you don't have to, um, like no, 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 no business talk after hours sort of no, situation. No, it doesn't really. I mean, we have. That's a nice thing about having management yeah. here in New York yeah. too. Like it's not like you know, um, you can always. It, it seems like that doesn't that doesn't really come up. Yeah, but but you know I, I I've got to imagine that especially you know in the lead up to like a record 
that's what you guys yeah that's what you guys are spending most of your time talking about oh really like figure it out you know like um figure figure what out well i mean like it could be going back ways when are we going to make the record how are we going to make the record yeah who are we going to make the record with uh where do we want to do it you know or hey release date's going to be this what's the album cover going to look like what who's going to do that what's the song order do you guys want to go how hard do you want to tour do you want to go to florida yeah. <laughs> uh, no. We are going to Florida. If, ironically, I br- we bring this up. We're about to go to, on a U- Europe and UK tour. Yeah. And when we finish it, we go straight to Tampa again. I guess, but we have one day off this. Time. Yeah. Um, w- did you did you feel like you had sort of a because you, you you went out you did the the solo record mm-hmm. did that give you guys sort of a little like a restart button well we had time I mean, we, we made five records in seven years yeah. I think everyone was a little fatigued and we, so we, we all took time the solo record for me was fun and it allowed me to do something at a different volume which you know I mean especially as I get older like like the, the sort of and it's not just because we're a loud band we are but it's not just it's not really that it's just the I think it's the amount of words I have and the projection <laughs> that it requires hmm. like I get really exhausted to to sing over his guitar over drums really I think Um, but just I I mean like I really get fatigued Um, it's a physical thing Um, so it was nice it was kind of fun for me to do something that like I didn't I was just it just kind of like happened Uh, yeah um, at the same time there was something unrewarding about like you know you play quiet music people react quietly yeah so like you know, no one's if, if you're if you're lucky. I mean, if yeah, if you're yeah. lucky enough that they're actually like, or if they're paying attention, yeah. to I mean, what that's you're doing. that's the struggle. Yeah. But I mean, no one's throwing beer up in the air, and then after ten years, the whole steady, you're like, do they like this? No one's throwing beer. <laughs> um, well, the other like, thing about spitting on us, yeah. <laughs> well, and seeing, I've seen a couple of Craig's, yeah. you know, sh- solo shows when he's been playing acoustic and stuff like that, and then I've been on stage with him when we're playing, and it's a, it's the energy expenditure is totally different you know i'm you, you've you've seen the band i'm sure yeah, and course. it's and it's really uh, kind of mesmerizing yeah. you know so it's uh, that's that in itself even from when i'm on stage with them it looks exhausting you know and it's like that's but that's sort of what the whole deal is you know it's, it's great to watch yeah i mean that, that, that was a good experience for you playing with people that you haven't been yeah playing with for 10 all years. that's good all that's like yeah. super fun and exciting and just getting out of your head or out of those push it for, you know because it's scary a little bit you yeah know? and usually if you're scared that means you're growing um so it was good but at the same time because of like sort of like the quietness of the shows i was excited to make a big loud rock record yeah and i think that's one thing that made me really excited to do that and that's what we did i think we made our biggest and heaviest record then um for our sixth record which is not what people no. think of your sixth <laughs> record or what you do at 43 years yeah. old you know was that was that part of the reason reasoning behind it? Is this no? no. I think it just happened. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I think the two guitar lineup sure. kind of made it heavier too. You know, that, I mean that's yeah that, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, you guys definitely made a very marked change when you got a piano player, and then when you lost a piano player. Yeah, I mean the piano player sort of, the, the piano as an instrument seems to soften things a little bit. Yeah, like, it, it's it's it softens it. It makes it. There's just there's always seem, I mean especially with somebody like Franz, like there's just a lot of shit going on too. Like there's like a lot of things happening underneath. But I, I've got to imagine that, and you know, and you guys have had you know like a, a couple of people in and out, and you've got a new mm-hmm. guitar player. But it, you know, even though the core you guys have been playing with each other for so long, there's got to be. 
a big difference every time you know even one person changes in the band yeah yeah i mean it's it's the same yeah i mean it's I think in this case also, like the other thing was when I was making, when I was touring on the solo record, these guys went to Memphis and wrote a bunch of songs, a lot of which made the record. Mm. And I got them kind of more further along than yeah. I normally get them. So I was like, at first I was like, well, where's my, uh, where's my part going to fit? You know, because there were these two guitars kind of weaving in and out. And then I found it. And, but, you know, these were kind of these tense, like, Really, like they had a lot of tension to them, the music, and I think it kind of influenced the lyrics more, hmm. um, more so because I kind of was like, wow, it made me think about anxiety and tension, and that's really kind of where the record ended up going. So it ended up being not just heavier on a music level, but I think darker on a lyric level yeah. than any of our records. So it's kind of heavier and darker. Are you guys? Are you guys more anxious? Have you found yourself being more anxious as you get older? I don't think I'm more anxious. I think I'm more like I got. I just went through this idea of like being really. Um, I noticed. Well, I met this doctor at this party that said like over half of his. He's a general practitioner mm-hmm. here in New York, and he said over half of his visits are people coming in for anxiety. He's not a therapist. No, he's a general <laughs> practitioner. He's like, you know, people have like these physical manifestations yeah. of anxiety. And then the New York Times has an anxiety column. I thought, whoa, that's weird. And I'm like, God, are we just like really anxious right now? And then we're in Oslo and I go to the Munch Museum and I see the painting, the screen, and it's like, you know, he painted this in 1900 about the anxiety of an yeah. industrial age. And I'm like, maybe we just have anxiety like we have an elbow. You know, like yeah. it's just part of us, and we're just so self-aware and self-obsessed. We talk about it all the time, and so I would—I was just kind of thinking a lot about that and uh, whether or not we are in an anxious times. I'm not sure we are. It's—it's—it's—it seems to be a lot harder to turn off than it than it used to be. At the very least, like there's always there's always something there's always something to be at least fatigued about my one thesis is that like with all these ways we project you know like Facebook or Twitter or whatever we kind of put out these projections of ourselves that are hard even for ourselves to live up to Mm -hmm. you know you take your best photo yeah yeah, and then you know you end up you know it's like online dating you end up with like you know more of a receding hairline and 15 pounds heavier and you're like I kind of wish I was that guy but that's what you're putting up there you just put it up there five minutes ago and like then you're kind of like disappointing yourself yeah and i think anxiety might live i I sort of have a a thesis or a hypothesis through the record because i talk a lot about truth too that the one thing we can do against anxiety is to just tell the truth whenever possible well it's 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 interesting that you you bring the picture thing up because you know that's the, the one of the very base comments that your your band has always gotten is like these Guys look don't look like rock yeah, stars. Right. I had an idea for a coffee table book that was everything, you know, Craig Finn doesn't look like the singer in a rock and roll band. He looks like a... Yeah, yeah. And that could be a math professor. It could be a science professor. It could be a lawyer. And every page, I'd be like a math teacher, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. And, and I could probably source that and make a 150-page book. Yeah, yeah. It would sell really well in Minneapolis. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dressed up like dressed up like you know like all the different things I'm supposed to be not a rock. Yeah, we could just do twelve and do a calendar. Oh, that's pretty good. That's good. Maybe next year twenty sort of the calendar. the opposite of the sexy calendar. Yeah, 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 <laughs> the yeah, absolute. Yeah. Like he, looks the absolute like a, he looks like the guy who checks your gas meter or something. Yeah, and 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 you know obviously like it's not a it, it's not necessarily a negative thing. But was that 
at least like early days. I know you guys were were not like you know on like major majors in the early days, but was that a, was that a comment from that you got from like people trying to put records out that you don't no, look like rock stars? No, not that. Not really that. Um, I mean, not anyways too, because we kind of just like started putting out records with French kids who are yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it didn't wasn't that. Um, but it's you know I think it was more. It's more just reviews like. My favorite review I ever saw, or no, wait, was it a review or my friend overheard someone say it, <laughs> that this sounds like um, Led Zeppelin meets Microsoft Office. I, 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 thought, I think that that's the one I'd like to use in any press. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, and that's, and, and I, I feel like that's, you, you're, you're guys kind of informing yeah. each other because, you know, you're, you're a hard rock guitar player. Yeah. And I'm, you're the professor I'm, with the, po- the poetry. I'm Clippy from yeah. Microsoft. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Helping somebody write a letter. Was that, you know, and, and you know, obviously you guys have, have played together for a long time, but was, this might be kind of a silly question, but were those two things ever in conflict? Uh, no, I don't, no. I mean, no, I don't think so. Like being rock and being... Yeah, of just having like two, like two, like potentially very different approaches to music to find meeting somewhere in the middle. They're they're probably a lot less different than you might think yeah. they are. I guess. I mean, I think like we both like rock and roll, and we both like you know kind of smart music, mm-hmm. and and particularly smart you know lyrics or yeah. or just just having something that's a little more. I don't want to say more, just. Uh, thoughtful than putting words to something because sure. there's there needs to be a melody line. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I think that like in Rome, especially like we're in the van and there was more like you know communal music going on. The music we'd listen to with the whole study would would jam. There's very few things that people don't like. Like no, you yeah. can't put that on. Ted and I like Billy Joel more than some of the other guys, yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> Bobby doesn't like Kiss. Um, but other than that, those are the two things I can think of. I gotta ask you guys about Billy Joel because it's a very uh, controversial, controversial opinion. Especially, it seems like lately he's been getting more heat than usual. And well, you, you as like, and you as you as like a lyricist, I love him. You um, love Billy Joel? I do. I mean, he's schmaltzy. I know. Well, not. I don't like all periods. You know. Yeah. I mean, or I don't love. Wait, all how do you periods. feel about like a piano man? Uh, you know that I like I like that era. That song's been overplayed, but I like the seventies. The you know the Fifty Second Street and the Stranger. Yeah, and um, you know I, I I always think when my my dad had those records and when uh Fifty Second Street he I remember looking at the cover and he had a, a Billy Joel as a I think he has a trumpet yeah yeah right? yeah which yeah. is weird um but he has like a blazer on and and jeans and tree torn sneakers and really um, big hair if I remember yeah right. and and I remember my I was I was really young. And I was pointing, I was showing it to my dad. I said, "Well, I don't understand because I could see my dad wear suits, you know. And yeah, he, he worked in like finance, and so I'd say, like, I, can you wear like a suit jacket, like a sport coat with jeans? Can you do that? Are you supposed to do?" And he, my dad said, "If you live in certain areas of New York City, you can get away with yeah. that." Now, and, and I remember thinking, like, well, maybe I should move to New York. <laughs> that was it. That was, like, that was yeah. the plan. That was the plan of the scene. Uh, but no, I don't know. I, I think those are good. Those are there's some really great stuff, and. Uh, you know, it's funny, like, when the, um, uh, is it, was it Sandy? Like, no, I'm forgetting the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When that happened, they had the concert at Madison Square Garden for the, you know, charity. Yeah. Billy Joel came out, and he was so appropriate. 
Like he's got, he does those events really well. Like he yeah. sits down at the piano, sings a song about New York, mm-hmm. and it was like, I think he won that evening. All the star power there. I think he, it was like his moment. I, in fact, I think I talked to a number of people who are not fans who were like, okay, yeah. well, there he just got it and he didn't overdo it. He just was understated and killed it. I, you know, like I've got, I've got, I've got some misgivings. With Billy Joel, like a lot of people do, um, I will say that my first concert was was nice. Billy Joel. I went to with with my parents, but like I did, I remember like my first, I think it was my first week in in New York City. I remember, and, and you know now I know that this is something that they play on the radio over and over again. But like you know, New York State of Mind came on, and I was like, okay, and like I had like a very like visceral visceral moment. So I don't know, maybe he's like the Steven Spielberg of musicians, <laughs> like he knows. He knows he, his wheelhouse, he and knows he knows what he does, and, and, and he knows he knows what what strings to pull. But I I, I don't know if that's necessarily a, a manipulative thing. No. Is knowing is is knowing what he plays to his strengths. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Um. So I was a little surprised to hear that. Uh, I don't know because I, I guess I always just sort of had this picture in my head of like you know you've got you you've got these lyrics that you know that 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 you write and then mm-hmm. then you kind of set them you send them to music from there. But it sounds like that. If not, that's not the process at all. At least, like in the last record, you approach the songs with the lyrics. Well, there's two things. One, yeah. usually he comes in with the music, and I kind of look through my stuff to see what okay. I got, and then we kind of yeah, piece yeah. it together. But that there's also this thing where I rewrite constantly, mm-hmm. and I pretty much rewrite until it's recorded. Like yeah. I'm changing lines on the day it's. Hmm. you know that I sing it in the studio so when I you know like I, when they show the music I, I might have had something and then I might have just kept honing it towards that and and that's something that always happens it's just the the the, the tone is informing yeah. how the lyrics yeah yeah the, the tone might yeah or, and you know and even with the starting like like oh you know like I heard I hope this whole thing didn't frighten you I had most of that in a notebook yeah but then I, you know, kept adding to it or chipping away at it to make it more scary or something. Is your is your stuff better when when you're down to the wire when you when you're when you when you're really changing things last minute? No, but there's always like one or two lines kind okay. of, that kind of bug you, and sometimes they might just be like changing little words. Yeah, you know, I like rewriting, just copying things over, just to see if just like maybe a word changes or you. Or maybe you decide maybe it'd be some better to repeat a line, you know. But but it's it sounds like the the songs are mostly coming together over a relatively short period of time, right? Some during do. the recording process. Some some do, some don't. Um, I mean, the lyrics change constantly. Some come together soon, quick. I think the longest one we ever had was First Night, which took us like forever. I remember. Yeah. That whole end part that goes yeah, yeah, yeah. girls and them. yeah. God, we, I think that took nine months. I just remember being we like, struggled over it. Going over into the space and being like, what are we going to do here? And we'd write like whole different, probably wrote the rest of the album meanwhile. And yeah. it's like, and then one day we got it. And, uh, and it felt good. Like it finally felt like the puzzle solved. Sometimes it's like a crossword puzzle where you get like the big, yeah. big long one at the bottom and you're like, and then all the rest of it makes sense. Like it's getting, sometimes. Sounds weird, but sometimes it's getting the one line. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it, it, it is interesting that uh, you know I'm impressed how you guys are able to create a sort of like a cohesive piece in, in, in a record. I mean, it, you know, it's definitely like, like you said, like this is 
this is a loud record. This isn't an anxious record. You know, obviously it's not a, it's not a concept album by any stretch, but, um, it's a it is in a sense kind of a, a cohesive piece front to back and it has something to do with our age and how we uh you know wanted to make record make albums mm-hmm. you know like i think like um i you know it's sort of the right block of yeah. music for me to yeah. listen to rock and roll like um and i think you know obviously you're not as beholden to it with the technology these days, you know, yeah. people are more likely to listen to just one song, but I still kind of think of albums. It puts things in kind of a context, I think, in terms of the songs, too. Mm-hmm. Like, when when I'm, you know, coming up with idea, like musical ideas, or when we're working on songs and things like that, it's like, it. I think it allows you to not be maybe so precious about one song because you're not focused on that song. You're focused on the album. And it's like, okay, I can, I can do this because I'm going to be able to do something else later that's maybe not, yeah. you know, it doesn't really relate to this so much in terms of musically and dynamically. And from the sound of it, you, you, guys, you guys, again, you guys had that sort of like communal experience when you were recording this record right i mean you really you were living like the monkeys when you were doing we it. lived in the same house <laughs> drove to the studio ever we were living like the monkeys yeah. i mean yeah i mean recording as a process is just kind of a time consuming thing so even like even you're spending a lot of time together no matter yeah. what you know especially if you choose to make a record outside of your home which i which we did and i think is a good idea because it's harder you know it's hard it's it's easier to get people to focus if you get them out of their own. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it like it's a little, it's a little on the nose. You went to Nashville and you recorded a record. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, what, 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 what was the, what was the impetus behind that? Oh, it's just the producer lived there. Okay. He wanted to use his own gear. I mean, it was, uh, we, you know, there, that was all. We wouldn't. It was no part of the discussion other than he yeah. was there. You mm-hmm. know, if he was in South Dakota, we would have gone there. Yeah. He, like he his you know he used to work in L.A. and had he still lived there that's yeah. probably where we would have ended up but because he just kind of put together a a new studio and moved actually back from L.A. to we grew up in Knoxville and then he moved to Franklin Tennessee which mm-hmm. is thirty minutes south of Nashville it's like that's where we went yeah did that did being in Nashville did that make no no that didn't, I mean, the, song, <laughs> the songs weren't written there yeah um, we didn't. I mean, we didn't really use any like Nashville musicians or anything. It was, and it's a hard rock record. It's not a Nashville yeah. Well, record. that's the other, that's the other thing too, because you know I, I read I read an interview, um, you know, where you you drew attention to the fact that you know, as as you said earlier, like you know you're 43, but it, you still didn't make a record with you know mandolins and, and yes, violins. Thanks. I don't I don't know that's necessarily a, a bad thing though, right? Is no. getting like a little more little more musical. I liked it. I liked it just the fact that we were making a record that I think no. We wouldn't ex- you wouldn't expect a band at that age to make their heaviest record. Or, yeah, I like that about it. I mean, is there? I mean, deep into it, I guess. I was thinking, Grinder Man was the one thing that, like, yeah. Cave, like, yeah. you know, had to be in his forties or even fifties when he's like, yeah, uh, I'm making a really heavy record. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, maybe Tom Waits has done that a little bit from yeah, time maybe, to time maybe. too. Like, the singer songwriters can 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 get away with that. Maybe, but you don't yeah. see bands doing it. Also, Nick Cave played. I think that those are the only two records he's ever played guitar on. Oh, really? Yep, at all. He, in fact, he hasn't picked it up since. Yeah. 
I sure you because I, I I'll see you with, you with a guitar on stage from time to time. Yeah, it I, seems like it might be a little bit of a prop. I don't it know. It can be a prop. <laughs> I, I there's some some songs I start though. Yeah, so you can hear me when I start them. Um, <laughs> and, and even uh, to, to Craig's credit, even the songs that that he starts that even if, if rehearsal or sound check he doesn't decide to pick up a guitar yeah. and Steve or I start him, it's still it's not the same. Yeah, like yeah. it's very Craig has a very distinct like kind of style and tone that that I've been playing with him for 15 years on and off now I guess and I still can't replicate it. So yeah, I mean I played in Lifter Puller all the mm-hmm. time yeah. too. Um, but you know especially once we added the second guitar player it's like I mean three guitars is sort of a statement right yeah. you know so it's, yeah, it's like, the oh, eagles yeah or, or it's <laughs> the almonds uh, or yeah that was maybe um, yeah I was just like you know there's plenty of guitars coming through the PA and through the amps and all that so like you know if I and I, I and I it, you know kind of frees me up to concentrate on singing and, and performing well you, you know you, you you did a little some some kind of twangy stuff on on the solo record, and you guys like going down to Nashville was were you, were you tempted to to do something like I know it's it always really like happened. late in career country yeah. records a little a little hokey. It doesn't but. it doesn't really happen. It didn't really happen. I don't know. It's like because the songs we got in the space and wrote the songs here in Brooklyn, you know. Yeah. So they were well. They were well. You know, long the songs were almost all done before we got Nashville even thought of. Yeah. You know. Um, with the solo record, I wrote the songs and then went down to Texas and showed them to like a Texas band. So that kind of took on more of that flavor, just because it was a little more open ended on that, and it kind of was more about the people who showed up to play on it. When, when I was when I was walking here, there's there's like a uh, there's a bar right across the street, or maybe a block over, and there was a band playing. You know, it was like two dudes, clearly late 40s early 50s playing to like two or three people mm-hmm. um you know it had 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 you not found more i mean you know obviously you found more success with the whole study than you guys ever had with lifter polar had had that not taken off in in that way do you guys think that you would still be playing in bands playing in bands i don't know uh i mean the world's got plenty of bands you know i might be, yeah. i'd like to think i'd be writing songs yeah, but I don't know about playing in bands. Um, I always feel like that the real the real asshole move is to start a kids band. You know, when when you have kids, because then because then you have this captive audience, and you're like, no, they love it, and it's yeah. like, well, they can't drive away either. Uh, so like so like kids kids bands for their parents, basically. yeah, like lower their parents. You know, yeah. their parents like, oh, we wrote a bunch of kids songs, and we're gonna play them with their kids. They love it. Yeah. it's like no, they just can't leave. Because you're their ride. <laughs> what, about, what about you? Is, is photography, is that, is that something you still do? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I still take pictures. And, you know, I don't do, like, a lot of printing or anything like no. that anymore. But I do more, you know, I would say in the last two or three years, I've done more, like, just songwriting or, you know, just writing than I have for, like, you know. A, and it's one of those things, it's like, okay, do I do a record or do I do this? And mm. I think one of the things that's interesting to me is just trying to, you know, write or or TV stuff I've done in the past and, and things like that. It's like more musical that way without the performance part of it, you know? It's, it's like doing like, like soundtracky stuff. Things. Some of it's been that and some of it's been, um, you know, like uh, either being 
you know, like trying to get more people just to write with. I feel like that, I don't think it happens more, but that's certainly, it's come up more yeah. in conversation, you know, over the past year than like, would you want to write a song with this person? Or or are you interested in doing this? Yeah, or, you know, yeah I mean, that's, band. you know, you, you guys, you know, mentioned, I mean, obviously you're in Brooklyn, you know, a lot of musicians. I know, like Craig, I know you've done guest vocals on, on records before. Mm-hmm. Um do you guys see yourselves in, in the near future branching out and doing working on other people's stuff? Or, I mean, and I don't know. Was the, was the solo record a one-off as far as you were concerned? I don't know. I always write songs, so it's it's just a matter of like you know doing what I, I don't know. I always want to write different things, but it's hard. I hate to be the guy who talks about things and doesn't do them. Yeah, so I'd rather just not talk. About them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'll talk. We'll talk about them next time if if, if they actually talk about them if they happen. Yeah. No, because I, I was just like two days ago. I was in a. I, I interviewed a, like John John Darnielle, who you know, he wrote a fucking novel. He wrote a national book. Yeah, exactly. Award, uh, his first his first try. Yeah, he he got nominated on the long list for national yeah. book award, which I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that it's brilliant. Cause he's brilliant, but still, uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good start for him. Yeah. Yeah, is that is is he set set the bar for like literary songwriters? <laughs> I, think, I think he's kind of he's kind of exceeded. He scared everyone else off. Yeah, I, I just, just one more thing, and I wanted to know like specifically on on this record because I've noticed this on on your last couple records. Um, it seems like you're putting like the best or one of the best songs on the last track. <laughs> That's all kind of I think also part of the age. Don't you feel like you always have to like end a record? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and. Um, there's usually it feels like we know the closer like mm. yeah like this is going to close it and uh in this case the song oaks we actually we knew it was going to be the closer but it was so dark and so depressing that we actually wrote a coda for it mm. because it we just had to leave things a little more hopeful than yeah, they were going to go out otherwise. Which also made it even longer. Yeah, which means the only place for it would have yeah. been. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that's part of wanting to make an album. And yeah. I think like you think about you know what's the last song on a lot of albums? It's usually not like a two minute fifty pop song. It's usually some sort of slow. Yeah, wrap up. I mean that's definitely you know it's definitely a kind of a more classic way of looking at because now it just seems like things just kind of peter off yeah you know, like yeah. people just you know front front load it with all all the good stuff yeah yeah so i think that that's more of a yeah, traditional way of looking at yeah it. What, what what does that say that this locker last record is just like potentially your, your your most downer record i don't know i mean i i don't feel like i was i don't know i think i was just sort of obsessed with that topic you know i the, the other thing was I was really got the, the obsession with David Foster Wallace yeah. happened, and I went whole hog. I didn't just read everything; I read every interview he ever did. Mm. And you know, he killed himself. Yeah. And so I was sort of obsessed with that whole arc. And and this, I mean, mentioned it one of the song, the idea of this Amer- particular American sadness that he talks yeah. about. I got really into that. I don't know why. I, I mean, I wasn't really feeling super dark or anything. I just sort yeah. of was like what was on my mind. And uh, that's kind of where a lot of the, the stuff came out. Yeah, well, that's after, that's after I guess, and I didn't realize in, in this till, till, till recently, and I, I don't know how I've... It's one of those things where like you, you live with a record for a while, and then you find out another piece of information, mm-hmm. and it changes it. Yeah. And I didn't realize that... Um, and boys, boys, and, boys and Girls in, in America is... is 
probably you know probably my favorite record that you guys have done but it's kind of a divorce record which i didn't yeah that one was really a, a breakup record yeah um, but not but not not as much on the face of it i mean now now that i listen back to it there, there are hints of it i mean obviously the first track there's the the jack Kerouac line yeah but, yeah yeah i mean i think that there was a, a pushing against um the sadness yeah. um, with um, celebration and celebratory activities um, that were mentioned a lot in Boys and Girls in America, but at the root, there was a real sadness. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> well, this is, I feel like I should ask one more question because this is the problem that you guys just ran into is we don't want to, we don't want to end on the most, on the most, the most, most depressing. Okay. How about this? Uh, I, I just want, again, since you just came off the, um, the, the replacement shows like you guys have to have a good replacement story you, you have to have a good mm-hmm. Westerberg story from those those shows I don't know that I I don't know that I do because you know it wasn't like we were all sharing a backstage yeah. or anything but uh, I just um, God, I don't know that I do I will just say that uh, that um the, the the whole thing I was really impressed with that the Minneapolis show Minneapolis is such a puritanical relationship with alcohol I mean mm. everyone gets really drunk there but liquor stores close at 8 yeah and you have to buy beer at the liquor store mm-hmm. so I was really impressed and it speaks to their relationship with the city that they allowed tailgating starting at 4pm <laughs> for that show and that speaks to I think what the replacements mean to Minneapolis and I, I actually went out with the local radio station the current went out to the parking mm-hmm. lot and uh, did some interviews with some fans about the replacements and that was really fun people were people were pretty pretty pumped yeah so there you go that was uh, Craig and Tad of the whole city uh, so glad we finally got a chance to do that hands down one of my favorite rock and roll bands going right now uh, that is an interview that I've tr- been trying to set up since at least the beginning of RYL, probably since before the beginning of RYL, but uh, you know it's one of those things you live in the same town as a band it's hard to uh, p- people kind of take schedules for granted also they were um, you know they were they were uh, recording a new record they were touring on a new record that's finally settled down a bit although uh, this last time they were back in town they were actually opening up the replacements that's why we're talking about that so much during the interview also the replacements of band that looms very very heavily over over the history of the whole city uh, both of those guys are from Minneapolis uh, they were in a band called Lifter Puller uh, very very much influenced by those dudes so glad we got to talk up I got to talk a little bit of uh, of, of history with them as well uh, I had a lot of fun doing doing that uh, sitting down with them uh, that is the uh, that is the first time that I've spoken with them since I think the last time that I, inter- that I interviewed them was right before uh, boys and girls in America came out so that was got like maybe like three or four records ago. I love that record so much. Uh, I love everything that those guys have done. Absolutely, absolutely worth checking out. I always do this at the end of the show. Uh, I say, "Hey, this is you should check these guys out." But I have to assume that if you've listened uh, this far into the interview, that you're already a big fan. But uh, if not, uh, Boys and Girls in America is a pretty pretty good place to start with them, and then just 
pretty much listen to, to everything else they, they've ever recorded and, and listen to everything else Lifter Puller ever recorded as well. Um, so thanks so much to them for taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for editing this thing together. Uh, thanks to Mark and everybody else at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like this show, there's a lot of other fine shows over there that you can listen to. You can check those out over at boingboing.net. You can check them out over at iTunes. And while you're over at iTunes, you should uh, you should you should take the chance to to rate this show. Um, you can also check us out over we've got a Tumblr. It's rolcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all the episodes of this very show. Um, if you've got any feedback, we've got an email address. That one is also IRLcast, but that is at gmail.com. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode of RIYL.